Greetings, it's Terry at Cottage in the Court. Well, we had a snow, and then we had a promise of more snow. And when I looked at the forecast for the coming weekend, they're anticipating more snow, like 60%. But if you're like me, I don't believe it until the night before, after nine o'clock. That's when I start believing the local meteorologist. In the meantime, I am just walking around, listening to the sounds of nature, the sounds of birds chirping at 536 o'clock in the morning. I know I'm up and out walking my precious, but I'm also observing the colors found in the winter garden. I spoke on this at the Botanic Garden last Saturday. And even after sharing some plant material that has winter color, I find myself digging deeper and looking at everything I pass as I travel along the way. I encourage you to do the same. You might become inspired to plant something in that gap, that open spot in your garden that's going to provide you either wildlife activity, color, unseen fragrance in the winter garden, anything to encourage you to get outside. I spoke with Mrs. Know-it-all because she's in Pennsylvania. We're here. Although we can grow the same thing. She's in a colder part. I wanted her to weigh in on some handy tips and advice for the garden as we anticipate more snow in early 2022. How you doing, Mrs. Know-It-All? Hey, Terry. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. So we've got snowfall coming our way and your way. Mm-hmm. And after last week's snowfall, I thought, what better time to talk to Mrs. Know-It-All about preparing and surviving snow in our gardens. So that because I'm a Yankee? Well, <laughs> well, and I guess I'm a... Um, I guess I'm a Southern Yankee, Um, but, you know, I'll take that because, you know, my roots are from the South. So here I am. So now, first of all, let's start with, uh, is snow good for the garden? And what should we be careful of when it's in the garden? So you got to think about the type of snow that you get. If you get a real light dry what I would call a dry snow that blows around very easily. That's fine. What you want to do with that, though, is if you have any tender shrubs that might get some road salt on them, you should protect them, you know, with burlap or, heaven forbid, landscape fabric works, you know, just kind of tie it up around it just to protect it from, you know, getting the salt on it because that can do a lot of damage to the plants. When you have the heavy wet stuff, which is what we are expecting, and I'm going to go with, you're probably going to get it too. 
That's a whole different animal. So what you want to do, if at all possible, go out and remove the snow lightly. Like don't go out and like bang it with a broom or anything like that. Go out and kind of gently lift it up and try and brush it off as much as you can because you don't want those branches breaking and just bending over. A lot of times they won't go back to their natural shape. They'll be malformed. Now, I can tell you several years ago when we moved into this house, I had a beautiful weeping Japanese maple that I planted. And actually, it was Martin Luther King Day, and we had this really heavy, wet snowfall, and it wishboned my Japanese maple and actually split it right at the top into three pieces because the snow was so heavy. It was actually an unexpected snowfall. We weren't expecting that. And, you know, the meteorologists don't always get it right. So I went out. I got as much snow off of it as possible. I was able to use um, grafting tape to kind of bind it together. And it did heal because that was 30 years ago. And I still have that Japanese maple in front of my house. So it did heal. But you have to be careful with shrubs that weep or, or have very loose branching that can happen now i happen to have a very tall juniper and i'm going to do this tomorrow you take some uh, rope twine really isn't strong enough and you kind of shinny it up to the very top and kind of do a crisscross it takes two people and wrap it around to keep the branches from falling open and breaking or just falling open and not going back to their natural shape that's mm -hmm. something you can do with other shrubs, you know, just lightly lift the snow off as much as you can. If you can go out during the snow and do it, and then you'll have to go out and do it again, you know, please wear proper footwear so you don't end up as a casualty of the snow. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you, you don't have to be old to be a casualty of the Amen. snow. Amen. Amen. And get out there and actually, you know, just get that snow off. Now, if you don't really have any trees to worry about and you have all this snow, mm -hmm. it's actually good for your plants. One, it's going to melt and give them water. Mm -hmm. Two, it actually prevents them, it, it protects them from, you know, a swing in temperatures. It actually acts as insulation. Mm -hmm. If you have some bulbs popping up, which I actually looked last week and actually, you know, we've had such wacky weather. You know, I actually had some daffodil uh, bulbs popping. It won't hurt the foliage. It'll, it won't help the flowers, but as long as the foliage is there, the plants will be fine, even if they're covered with snow. You know, there's a reason we plant them in the fall so yep. that they are there through the winter. So it would be fine that way. Okay. And then, um, you know, with the snow, you know, Try not to put a lot of salt out, uh, especially around your driveway or your walkways, because that's going to get into, you know, your soil. And the only way you can really mitigate that is actually come springtime, get out there with the hose and really flush it. That's the only way you can do it. So would you say that people should be looking for the environmentally friendly salt substitutes do they work as well is there something more natural they can use like non-clumping kitty litter 
Um, you can, but that it doesn't melt the snow. It right. just kind of gives you, you know, some traction. Right. Um, and if you're going to use kitty litter, make sure you get the non-clumping clay litter and not the clumping stuff because that stuff really, I have cats. It becomes like concrete. Yes, it does. Yeah. So you really don't want that in your driveway or your sidewalk. It's hard to get up off your, off your floor as well. I don't know why. It must be that clumping agent. Yes. And I use calcium chloride. I have a four car driveway, mm-hmm. so I need to have that and i am also a bus stop for the kids oh, okay. so i've got to have my driveway cleared mm-hmm. and then um calcium is easier on your pets and there's another one that i'm not familiar with because i don't take my cats for a walk mm-hmm. um that you can put that's easier on animals paws you know especially dogs mm-hmm. you know that you take out for a walk salt you know, when you're walking, especially if you're walking along the street or somebody's sidewalk, what you're want, going to want to do when you get home is actually kind of take their paws and dip them in some water and mm-hmm. dry them off so the salt doesn't stay in there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it'll definitely cause irritation. Right. Um, not good. And it's sharp. It's sharp, mm-hmm. on, you know, on their pads. Mm-hmm. So yeah. have, what about using sand for traction? Would you advise that? You can. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know, a, a 25 pound sandbag weighs a lot because it's so condensed. Mm-hmm. You know, 25 pounds really doesn't sound like a lot. You know, that's like a small toddler. Yeah, you can pick up a toddler, but that weight is spread over a larger area than a 25 pound bag of uh, sand. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can use that, you know, to give you some traction, spread it out lightly. Um, here again, it won't melt. Right. the snow mm-hmm. and uh, you can use it if you have ice which you have a tendency to get that more than I do mm-hmm. um, but you can also there's an ice there's a thing called an ice chipper mm-hmm. and it's just a flat blade kind of like a hoe only it's straight you yeah. can just chip that and that's a wonderful tool people don't realize how valuable that really is okay so these uh, agents, sand, um, non-clumping kitty litter, while it does not melt the ice after the snow ice has melted, is it okay to sweep that in the garden bed? Um, yeah, as long as you haven't got like a ton of sand and a ton of the litter because the litter is clay. Mm-hmm. So you can sweep it in and actually a lot of it is going to disintegrate, not the sand, but the uh, clay will disintegrate somewhat with rain and snow Mm -hmm. so you know that's not much of an issue but the uh, sand you know that can cause some issues later on well if you use those you want to scatter them very lightly very lightly okay okay you know what just don't go out and throw it on your snow and expect it to do something you're going to shovel you got to shovel right Right. Like, cause last time I shoveled, uh, down to where I got most of it up and then I put down some non-clumping kitty litter, you know, and I didn't fall surprisingly enough. 
<laughs> yeah, so, you don't want to use the stuff that's made out of newspaper either. Well, let, let's make that because that's just going to turn into a mucky mess. Yeah. There are some uh, litters that are made out of newspaper mm -hmm. that that will just be messy. Yeah. yeah. I um, The blizzard of 93 here in Pennsylvania, I had just gotten back from a bus trip. And, you know, I we hadn't heard about the weather. And my husband picked me up at, at the center and he's like, yeah, we got bread, we got milk, we got to go home. And I woke up the next morning and I heard this nose. And I'm like, is that a chainsaw? And I'm like, no, it doesn't sound like a chainsaw. And I went out and looked out the window and it was my neighbor across the street riding up and down the hill on a snowmobile because we had that much snow. <laughs> my goodness. And that was the year that I went out and bought a snowblower. Oh my good, Yeah. How many times have you used it? That was in 93. So we have used it a number of times. You know, this is Penn, Western Pennsylvania. We do get snow. All the past few years, we've only used it a couple of times. But I bought it and we didn't have to use it for four years because we really didn't get any snow. It was like, a you know, a talisman to keep it from snowing here. Yeah. <laughs> a landscaper friend of mine was like, yeah, I think I'm going to get rid of my snow plows because I'm not using them. This was last year and I'm thinking, oh. Oh, he held yeah. on to it. Now the snow is falling. You know, we're going to get it off our shrubs down here, which is zone seven. I saw a lot of crepe myrtle and magnolia damage. Why? Because they're not a really strong wood. They have more open branching um, stature. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't help when you get a lot of heavy, snow, heavy wet snow or ice for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you can do is you have shrubs that are more open. Mm -hmm. Besides, you know, you, here again, depending on the size, you could wrap them up with burlap. Um, you could also take twine and just kind of go around them a couple of times, kind of tie them up just to keep the snow from opening it up, you know, more and bending them. You'll see that maybe like on arborvitae, on global yes. arborvitae, that yes. will open them up. And even, you know, the tall arborvitae, mm -hmm. that'll happen to them too. So um, the branch snaps, how do you clean it up? Do you use a sealing agent? Do you no, not? No, 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 no. <laughs> like I said that, no. Um, actually, what you want to do is you want to go in and make a clean cut. Hopefully it didn't strip the bark when it broke off. You don't want to cut into the collar, you want to cut right in front of the collar of uh, the branch and let it heal naturally. You know, don't cover it up with paint, soil, whatever. You, the tree will heal naturally. When you do that, you can allow um, maybe some fungal issues, you know, if you're painting it on. There's only one time that using any type of tree sealer is recommended, and that is on oaks if you are dealing with oak wilt. That is the only time it's recommended. I, I thought so. And one of my uh, friends was challenging me on, oh, no. But when I grew up, we, we used sealer. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Yeah, when you <laughs> grew up, they used mineral oil to clean you out in the spring, too. You know, we don't do that anymore either. So, okay. So we, we're going to clean up that, that, break in, that broken branch, uh, make it a nice clean cut let nature take care of it now we're moving further into winter and 
looking at your garden beds, you notice maybe some of those plants are sitting up a little taller than they were last fall. We know that that's called heaving. What do you do about that? One thing a lot of people make the mistake of is using rocks as a mulch, whether it's marble chips, because they think it's pretty or lava rock or river rock, whatever. And what happens is we get those, you know, nice warm sunny days and the rocks heat up, they retain heat. They're right on top of the roots. They're like, oh, it's spring. It's time for me to grow. And they start pushing up. And then two days later, you're back to 25 degrees and snow. And, you know, so you have them heaving up. So A, you want to make sure when you've planted whatever it is, you've planted it at the correct depth. Use a bark mulch, not a stone mulch, to um, keep the moisture in, but it also keeps it from heaving. And that's another thing to use when we talked earlier about the snow being an insulator. It's really good to have that there because then that keeps it from heaving because as it warms up, it's not going to start heaving. It's going to keep it cool and, you know, it'll melt and, you know, actually water the plant. If people do have plants that have heaved and it's under a mulch soil, should they step on them to tuck them back in or how, what do you do? They shouldn't step on it because that can actually smother the roots. What mm -hmm. they can do, put their gloves on and push them down. Mm -hmm. Make sure there's sufficient mulch there. You don't need four inches mulch on it. You need two inches at the most, but right. just push it back in and, you know, the plant should be fine. When you push it back in, should you water it? Well, it's probably going to be wet soil anyhow, so I wouldn't worry about watering it. Okay. Now, if the soil's dry, you know, if you have a long stretch of no precipitation. Yeah, you probably would want to water it, but more than likely the soil is going to be moist. Okay. So we've got the snow off of our trees. We've cleaned up any broken branches. We've tied up our shrubs and we've uh, covered up the heaving. And you said our bulbs will be okay. Uh-huh. What's next? Waiting for spring? Is it too late to put bulbs in? Could we cheat a little bit? What's well, next? Well, I'll tell you, like with bulbs, you need typically 12 weeks of cold, continuous cold weather mm -hmm. to get maximum bloom on them. And you might not get that. You know, you could, but frankly, the bulbs are already off the shelves at the stores. You know, they're, they're putting out stuff for seeds now. They were talking about how it might snow when I went down there that day. And I thought, you know, there's something about bread in the bread machine, a hyacinth bulb beginning to stretch its little point up to the heavens and snow outside. So I've, I'm set up for a pretty good weekend this week. Well, thank yeah. you for helping us learn how to um, prepare and survive for the winter. Oh, one last question. Those crossing branches, maybe thin branches fell in between, but the architecture of trees is more evident now. Right. What should we do about those crossing branches? And should we remove them if we see them now before the snow? Yes, absolutely. Actually, winter is a good time to do a lot of pruning on trees. 
I'm having a company come in and prune. I have an Elizabeth Magnolia. She's about 30 foot tall. That, that's over my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I will be paying somebody to get up there and do that. Uh, you know, me, me and ladders aren't the best of friends. Since you mentioned the, the architecture, you can actually sit. Now is the time to get those cross branches and perhaps then it, if you have fruit trees, now is the time to actually go in and thin them and cut them back, especially for growing apples. You know, this, this is a good time to actually do your pruning. Okay. Not exactly the best weather. You know, we all want to be nice and warm when we're out there doing it, but this is the time the plants need to have the pruning done. So even those oak trees with the cicada damage, because I'm still seeing a lot of that, you know, the, the hanging branch with the uh -huh. few brown leaves. Can we take can we take those off now safely? I just cut yeah, you can cut them back safely now. Okay. You know, after I would say late February or very early March, I would not prune any oaks and wouldn't do it until you get a hard freeze, you know, whether it's November or December. Mm -hmm. I've got a I've got my my favorite oak tree in my front yard. It's huge. It was here when I bought the house and you know, the cicada damage has been hanging there all year and it just looks so awful, but it was like, I got to wait till it gets cold because I'm not trying to invite anything in there. So yeah, because once you got oak, well, you can't stop it in a tree. That, right. That's the kiss of death. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I can handle the lower branches, but I'll be calling my neighborhood arborist as well because there's another branch above that Eh, it, it needs to be taken out. I can't reach it. So what's next is going to be important because the garden starts becoming alive after the snow. And we're going to do some fun stuff this summer. You think fun stuff with small gardens? Yeah, that might be what we're talking about. In another state? Some place that you would never expect it. <laughs> And it will be a small group adventure uh, from D.C. and Pennsylvania. And we promise there will be some fabulous gardens, right? Oh, unbelievable gardens with great ideas to steal and take home. That's I know right. I have stolen many ideas from there and brought them home. And I have as well, because when you talk about smaller yards where you can get up close and personal and make it your own, this place is probably tops on my list in the United States. Absolutely. I've never seen anything quite like it. Right, right. So we'll we'll give them more details in an actual place next time. How's that? Works for me. Okay. Have a great weekend. <laughs> you too, Terry. Okay, bye-bye. Stay warm. You too. Well, I, I am always in awe of Mrs. Know-It-All. She's the kind of person that you would want to have by your side if you were a beginning gardener and a seasoned gardener, just for the jokes, if nothing else. She's a dear friend and she's Mrs. Know-It-All. Who wouldn't want a Mrs. Know-It-All in their life, especially when it comes to gardening? So. You know, trees, I'm passionate about trees. Trees offer us something to look up to in the garden. 
when normally we're either looking straight ahead or down. I'm really grateful I did not uh, allow someone to take the limbs off of my oak tree when they wanted to. I'm glad I waited when I knew it was the right time. So if you have oak trees, I hope that you're tackling them this winter. I'd like to leave you with a poem from the book Gladiola Garden. The author, Effie Lee Newsom. And the name of this poem is In Winter. At winter dusk, the trees all seem to press their long, lean hands together for company, as though they said, we need friends in this chilly weather. We hope the fire red west would stay before our bare and chilly fingers. Its ashes everywhere are gray and not one red gold glitter lingers. The tree hands tapering, black and bare, with all their gold leaf jewelry gone, waited and watched the whole night through, then warmed their fingers in red dawn. What a classic, right? Are you paying attention to your trees today? Are you paying attention to your garden while you rush in the house? out of winter's chilly grasp. I do. I invite you to do the same. Get to know your garden. It's your best friend. And it's the best way to just be mentally healthy in spite of everything else that comes across our ears. I want to say thank you for following me. I've got an exciting guest later this week. Uh, we just had a basically a really good chat. So I encourage you to pay attention. Listen up. We're getting ready to have some fun. And we're getting ready to celebrate on Ethel as well. One final note. Are you all about embracing the beauty that surrounds you? Well, last year I was kind of quiet and I appreciate you continuing to follow me and look forward to my content. I took the time to write two books. The first book, The Urban Garden, 101 Ways to Grow Food and Beauty in the City. I co-authored with Kathy Jentz, owner Washington Gardener Magazine. Kathy and I have been friends for years. We're both garden writers, proud of it. And we wrote this book with a lot of love. My second book is entitled Black Flora. I've met some of the most interesting African-Americans who are in the business of beauty. Through floristry, through floral design, through flower farming, and each of them is unique in their story, in their personality, and how they view the presence 
of African Americans in the world of floristry today. So I invite you to support my efforts. The books are, are available for pre-order either at your favorite bookstore or, you know, online. But it was the most creative way that I could get through the pandemic. I am grateful for the opportunities that were presented to me. And hopefully my writings in both of these books will empower you to continue to embrace the beauty that surrounds you. Enjoy. Enjoy.